Let's pray. Before we pray, I want to say happy birthday. Oh, bless you, Rachel, first. Second thing, happy birthday to Catherine Seckholt. Happy birthday, Catherine. Um, Colin said to say it's your 75th birthday. That's your husband. He said that. That's not true. That's what he said to say. So you don't look 75. You're doing really well. Let's pray. Let's go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here together, to be under your word, to be encouraging to each other, um, to worship you, Father, as Sam talked about, love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we come to your word, Father, we pray that you will have your hand upon us, that you would speak to us, open our hearts and ears to hear from you. Help me to remember what I prepared and speak clearly in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. Luke, can we just turn the lights up a bit brighter? These ones, the house lights? They're those ones. Thanks, Josh. I think we're, that's better. I can see it better. Good. I was um, 16 years of age when I was first invited to a Friday night youth ministry. 16. What, was, what happened from 12, 13, 14, 15? Someone didn't invite me. No one invited me. But at the age of 16, a lady from church, we're humming a bit. Bring me down a bit, Lukey. Microphone. Thanks, bud. Luke's learning on the mixing desk. 12-year-old young man doing a great job. Well done, Luke. Well done. Give him a round of applause. Luke, good job. Um, so I was, it was, I was 16 years of age when I was first invited to, to a youth group on a Friday night. And that was year... That was year must have been year 11. I don't even know. Year 11 about that. And that at the end of that year, um, I, turned, I turned 17. And I was invited by the youth leader to a camp in Katoomba. It was called Kickstart at the time. Anyone, anyone, anyone went to Kickstart? Kickstart? A few Kickstarters? And I was invited there as a, as a, as a young 17-year-old guy about to go into year 12. And I, w- I went to a conference and it, and it radically, tra- radically transformed my life. It, was, it blew me away. There were so many people. I'd never experienced so many Christians in one place. And, and young people, all like interested in what I was interested in. And on the Saturday night, a guy spoke on the prodigal son. I've shared this story before. And something happened in here, and I was radically changed. God did a number on me on that Saturday night in January. I think it was the 14th, back in 1993, whatever it was, when I was 17 years of age. Um, a massive number of me. I came back from that, that, that conference so excited about Jesus. What, what, what Jesus did in his death and resurrection made, made sense to me like it never made sense before. And I was so passionate, went, went to, in, into my year 12 year and just shared my, my passion for Jesus and what Jesus did with the whole school, with classrooms, with passion for Jesus. I got heavily involved in church, started serving in kids' ministry, on a Thursday afternoon kids club. And then at the end of that year, I, I started to get involved in youth ministry and ran mu- youth ministry and music ministry. And the story goes on, and I'm here today. All through the power of the invitation, firstly, of that person who invited me to come to youth at the age of 16, and then the invitation of, of that youth leader who said, Nathan, I want you to come to Kickstart, and took eight of us away to Katoomba for a weekend. It was a fun weekend. There was a, girl that I, there was a girl there that I was in love with. It wasn't Michelle. And that's probably why I went, because I wanted to hang out with her. It wasn't you, Annette. You were there. You weren't there. It wasn't you, I'm sure. Um, had, to, had to clear that up. <laughs> Colleen, you weren't there either, were you? I wasn't in love with you. I wasn't in love with you with someone else. Her name was Jackie. Just clear that up. Um, just to clarify, all the, all the husbands are going, was that my wife? There was a girl named Jackie. Um, and we uh, parked. Uh, um, the, uh, the, our youth leader had a, like a... a, like a a Ford panel van thing, and he parked down a hill and he ran out of petrol because the petrol was facing the wrong way and we had to run to the petrol station, all these things. It was, it was a fun weekend. 
But that weekend, I was radically transformed because that youth leader took time and energy to invite me to something that radically transformed my life. We've been talking about having an invite culture. We've, we've shared two messages on it before Easter. We've got two to go. Today I'm going to talk about our third message around the idea of a culture of invite. And I would love us as a church to have a culture of invite, meaning that we naturally invite people to stuff. As you think back to Easter, who invited someone to an Easter service? Who did that? Anyone invite one, two, three people invited someone to Easter, four people invited someone to an Easter service? How many people invited someone down to the park for the Saturday? One, two, three, four, five, six. Good, that's a start. Good. A culture, his, his definition of culture, are the ideas, customs, and social behavior of an organization. It is the reality, the thing that normally happens in an organization. So if invite was our culture, if I said, who invited someone to our services, everybody would have put their hand up because, that, then, it, because then it's part of our culture. See, invite is still not part of our culture, and it's going to take some time. I know that, and changing culture is difficult. So we're going to bang on, bang on about it for a while until we grab it. Because I reckon... Invite culture is so very, very important. Here's the why. Four reasons to invite. This is what I shared in the first week of this series. Number one, if we invite people to LifeGate things, Sunday services, um, Easter extravaganzas, if you invite people to Alpha, invite people to Alpha, if you invite people to Alpha, if you invite people to Alpha, if you invite people to your life group, men's event, things we do as a church, they will hear the message of Jesus. Two, people belong before they believe. People get part of something, they feel safe, they feel like they belong there with, with a group of people, and as they feel like they belong, they start to listen to the views and opinions of other people, and they catch it. Three, people will experience the kingdom of God. If people you invite into your life group, into church services, they will experience the love of God through us. They'll experience the presence of God through His Holy Spirit. They will experience the way the kingdom happens. And number four, it gives you an opportunity to be courageous. Inviting is a courageous thing. It gives you an opportunity to be courageous. And that's what I spoke on in the first week of this series. The second week was Samantha. And she spoke about four obstacles to inviting. She talked about apathy. Maybe you're embarrassed by church. Maybe you have fear of rejection. And, or maybe you have a lack of compassion for people. They're obstacles that get in the way. Today, I want to ask two questions and answer two questions. Here they are. Number one, who should I invite? Number two, how do you invite them? Who should I invite and how should you invite them? Now, before I share what I think, I'm going to ask two gurus of invite. We have two people, no doubt more, but we have two people in the room that over a period of time have been deliberate in inviting people to church. I've noticed it. And I want you and me to hear from them. I'm pointing at these two. That's what they are. Con Michael, come on down. Rachel Owen, come on down. These are the gurus of invite. And we want to hear about how, who you invite and how you invite. I'm going to turn this microphone off. All right. So we want to hear from you, gurus. That's my word. Not a guru. Not a guru. Who, sh- who do you invite to church? You know, just to, who do you invite to church? Uh, well, I'm blessed that I work, have influence at the place where I work. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people know that I'm a Christian there. So 
mainly my invitations come from people who are at work, mm -hmm. um, but then also like a circle of friends that I have. And one of the people that you invited to church is state. So you, you've invited Voltaire yeah. to church, and Voltaire's around. He's not much around on Sundays, but he's part of our Alpha group. Yeah. Um, it took photos for us at the Easter extravaganza. He stayed. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so Voltaire was an easier one. So Voltaire has a belief in God and uh, he grew up in and was attending the Catholic Church. He's still trying to get his wife across here um, from the Catholic Church and his kids in because his kids are bored at the, at the Catholic side of church. But, yeah, so that was an easier one. Um, yeah. That's good. So people yeah. in the workplace. People in the workplace, yeah. Yeah. Who do you invite, Con? Uh, I'd say that the majority of it definitely comes from those that I've built somewhat of a relationship with. Anyone that I've known for a little bit, spoken to, gotten to know them, they've gotten to know me, um, which of course includes a lot of work. Now I, I get to work um, around a lot of non-Christians as well and get to share my faith and stuff like that and, and invite, invite them to church. But uh, every now and then again you get these moments, I'm at the dog park and I'll be talking to people if I almost get to know them in that moment um, and, it, and it makes its way around to faith or God or, you know, because um, it's generally on the weekends that I'm kind of down there too. I might, I might have an opportunity to invite them or somebody that I meet, but the majority of it is people that I've built a relationship with, definitely. Great. So question two is, how do you invite them? What do you say? What do you do? Depends. Twist your arm? No. Pay the money? What do you do? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a somewhat ransom. No, sometimes I, it depends on the situation. Um, so actually one that when you ask me that question, that put on, I think I have my success rate with people showing up and inviting is a lot lower than the people that show up that I invite. But one of the things that challenged me when you said that was one of the there's different opportunities that I get to invite. So some people ask me like, "Oh, what do you do on the weekend?" I said, "Go to church," you know. Okay. And some, you know, I have good relationships at work, so sometimes like, "Oh, I should get you know you and your partner or you and your wife for lunch," you know. Go to church on a Sunday. Love to have you at church, and we go straight to lunch and. That, that's probably been the most common way I've invited. Um, but then I've had situations like one of the um, girls at work, who I've spoken to twice about it now, she's a lesbian, um, and her partner is... Um, her partner, she describes her partner's parents as devout Christians. And so her partner does have a belief in God. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't spoken to her partner, but she talks about, oh, it's, you know, she does have a belief in God. And she said, oh, I was you know, I've got to go meet them, you know, for the first time. She goes, oh, they're probably going to ask if I ever go to church. So I said, well, come to church. Yeah. And then you say, <laughs> you can say you've been to church. But one of the challenging things, which I don't know if it was up on the floor for me with that, was it wouldn't stop me, you know, I invited her. She hasn't come yet, um, but I'll keep pursuing that. Um, but one of the challenging things, oh, I think, oh, no, what if it's some sermon that's about, you know, something around there and it really puts her off? Yeah. Um, but, you know, then, uh, you know, quickly I'm challenged back by God saying, look, he, you know, whatever she's meant to hear, she's going to hear that That's day. Right. That's right. Um, so there are challenges like that that you get. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I use lunch, joining for lunch with the family for, for, yeah, probably the most common one, but the situation is different. That's really helpful. Thank you. How about you, Matt? This is going to sound like we got together and had a conversation before we're having this conversation now because it's, it's pretty much exactly the same, really. Uh, um, when, I, when I said it's about, mostly it's about the people that I built a relationship with is because I've been, over the time that I've gotten to know them, they would have heard me say many times on a weekend, because I'm always talking to them either on a Friday about their weekend or a Monday of how their weekend was, 
what did you get up to or how did it go? And they'll sort of tell me their, their story first and I'll ask questions, get to hear from them. And when that gives me the opportunity to go, okay, so what did you do? Well, did this, did that, and went to church here, played the drums, got to do this. They would have heard that enough to know that that's just a part of my lifestyle. And when you say, like, how do I invite them to church? It's kind of in that moment um, that uh, I'll have the opportunity to sort of to invite them. And it's, it's, it's like inviting something that's a part of my lifestyle, not that something's a part of separate to who I am. It's a little like people that really? might, hey, you go to the footy every week or... You go to, you know, you sit down and watch the races or the cars or something like that. Whatever it is, you might go fishing, you might get in your boat. It's kind of inviting people to something like that. It's just part of who you are. And so it's just a general flow on to saying, hey, would you like to come to church? Or how about you come to church this Sunday and check it out? And the same thing as Rachel is this whole idea of having, um, having lunch after. We see this with Jesus in, um, in Mark 2 with, uh, with Matthew when he calls the tax collector. He says, come and see what we're doing. We want to, want to invite people to church, come and see Jesus. And what does he do straight after he has a meal? Um, same with uh, Zacharias in the, in the tree, you know, Zacchaeus in the tree. He, in Luke 19, he, you know, he calls him down and then he goes and has a meal with him straight away. And so this importance of mm. showing people that um, it's not just about come and see you later, but I think the importance of why Jesus did that, because it's not just follow me and that's it. Jesus was all about relationship with them. And so if we're just inviting, I feel, come and then you disappear, well, then it loses the experience of church and that relationship after. And so being able to um, invite them to lunch too and making it about the whole day and about them and, you know, asking questions after and getting to know them a bit more. So, wow, how helpful is that? I never thought about that. That's really good. Thank you, guys. Give me a clap. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you. That's good. That's helpful. Hey, simple stuff. There was no long theological explanations. It was simply, hey, let's do lunch and, and come to church beforehand with me and we'll talk about it. Simple. I love that. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Con. Well, I'm going I'm I'm to share you some of the stuff that I think is helpful. Who should I invite? When Michelle and I started uh, dating, we, we got on really well and I proposed and then we started to plan for the wedding and we didn't fight much. Until we got to the wedding list for who are we going to invite to the wedding. And we had a big argument. We were, we were in her room once and with a big argument, Michelle was in tears. And Michelle's dad comes in. You two better sort that out. I was like, whoa. Whoa. And that's like the first time I've ever seen. I remember that. That was like a bruised moment in my life, yeah. Um, never seen him, her, her, um, Michelle's dad act that way before when he came in and went. M- Michelle wanted more people. No, less people at the wedding, and I wanted more people at the wedding. Funny that. And then as we started to talk through the list, we would make decisions on people, whether or not how close were they to us. If we invite them, will they come? Will they continue to be our friends long term after the wedding? And we had all these conversations, and we made decisions about people based on how we thought they would would, would respond. And as we talk about this idea of invite, we can also make decisions about people, about how we think they're going to respond and before we even ask them. And we cannot ask because we think they're going to respond in a certain way. We could not ask someone because we think they're going to be too busy or that person's too busy for life group or alpha or church. I'm not, I'm not going to ask them. Or, or that person's too well off. They've got too much money. They've got their life all together. They wouldn't possibly be interested in God. Again, we make a judgment or a decision on, we put our thing on that person and we don't even give them the opportunity to say yes because we don't ask them. Or maybe they're angry with God or broken or 
or you think this person's too far gone, they wouldn't. They're angry with God, they would want nothing to do with God. Again, we put our stuff on them. Where the reality is, God has all types of people who are part of his kingdom. People who are rich, people who are poor, people who are broken, people of all nationalities, all cultural groups, all part of God's kingdom. In our Luke 14, in, in the first week in this series, I shared about the, uh, the uh, parable of the great banquet. And Jesus tells a story of the, uh, great banquet in, the, 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 the great banquet in heaven, and he talks about it by saying there was a rich guy who had a banquet. And the people knew the dinner was on, and then he sends out his servants to say, go and tell them the food's ready now. And he sends people to the, to the rich and his friends and the religious leaders at the time, and they said, made up excuses. I just bought oxen, and I, so I can't come. I just bought this, and I can't come. I just got married, so I can't come. All poor excuses. So then the invitation goes out further to the poor and the lame and the broken. And, and those people come, but there's still room. So they go out even further to the country lanes. And there's a picture that, that Jesus gives that, that, uh, that uh, God invites the Jewish religious leaders at the time, the ones who should have been right with God, and a lot of them said no. God invited the poor, the lame, the broken, and then God invited the people outside the Jews, the Gentiles. See, God has all types of people in his kingdom, rich Poor, broken, seem like they got it all together. White skin, dark skin, cultures, different languages, they're all part of God's kingdom. He has all types there. In Galatians 5, it says this. It says, So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, your, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, in other words, Jews or everybody else, that, that doesn't exist. Doesn't, it's not about being a slave or being free. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. All different types of people, men, women, dark skin, white skin, different sort of cultures, doesn't matter. All types of people are part of God's kingdom. And so before you make a judgment on someone, this person's too busy, this person's got too much money, this person's too broken, this person, or whatever it is, God can have them as part of his kingdom because he has all types of people as part of his kingdom. Now, when we talk about this idea of who, and you think about your life, there's like so many people in your life, like which one out of the so many should I invite? Well, I want to do an exercise with you today that's going to help you Break it down to get specific names of who you can invite. Aiden, Josh, can you help me please? Jump up. On that chair, uh, 80 bits of paper. I want you to break them into two and then take pens around. They need some help. Annabelle, can you help? Michelle, can you help? Everyone needs a bit of paper. And on your bit of paper, there are circles. Can I have one, please? One person to everyone. Thank you. On your bit of paper are circles. And there's pens. Get a pen out. Everyone needs one. And what I want you to do, I uh, simply went to my um, cupboard in the kitchen and got a glass and stuck it on and drew it around with a texter and photocopied it this morning. Really, really um, quality stuff here. What I want you to do is in each circle, I want you to write the sphere of life. For example, here, first one, write family. Second one, workplace. Third one, neighbours, street. Fourth one, Recreation group. 
fifth one, whatever you want, sixth one. Where are your spheres where you have relationships in life? So I'll, I'll tell you again. Family for the first one. Most of us have family. Not everyone does. Family. Another one, workplace. Recreation. You might be part of a bike group, social group, um, sporting group, university, education, um, whatever it is. And I want you to write in there, firstly, the, the, the sphere of life. And I've got, if you've got more than six, use the other side. Is that clear or not clear? That's clear, that's clear. Thanks, Scott. Anyone help? So we're going to spend five minutes doing this. We could spend all day, but we're going to spend five minutes doing this. So one more time, writing your sphere. So family, neighbours, workplace, university, whatever your spheres of influence are, write them just one in each circle. School. If you're a school student, thank you. School. So if you're a parent and you drop your kids off at school, you're part of the PNC. Write down your spheres. And then once you've written down your spheres, this is where it gets really fun. Once you've written down your spheres, write down the people who are part of that sphere in that circle. So your family, write family in the middle and around the outside, write the names of the people in your family. Your workplace, write the people in your workplace. Now, if you're in a workplace with 200 people, choose a few that are close to you. Who are the people that are close to you? In a school, if you're a student, who are the students that are close to you? If you're a parent, who are the parents that are close to you? Write down your spheres. So I'm giving you who you should invite. Take a few minutes to do that. Add up for me how many names are on your sheet of paper. You're going to yell out your numbers. Add them up and yell out how many you got. If you had more time, you could obviously add more names because there's more people in your world than... How many have you got? Twelve. Another number? Twenty-five? Thirty? Sixteen? Seventeen? Anyone else? Another number? Too many. That's right, Saskia. There is too many. There is too many. Hence the idea of trying to get them in some sort of, some sort of think about spheres. Because when we think about who, I was speaking to a guy once and he talked about his son. And, and if, if he put too much food on his son's plate, he wouldn't eat any of it. Because it was just too much, he couldn't handle it. He just wouldn't eat anything, anything. He had to break his meals down into, into, into smaller bits so he could get his head around eating it. And I think when we think about who, it can be like the, there's too much on the plate. I don't know where to start. There's too many jobs to do. Like when you've got a messy house and you go, I don't want to touch any of it because if I, where am I going to start? You know? But when we break it down in different areas, we think specifically and we go, you know what, I think I can invite that person. And I think I can invite that person. If I ask you the question, who should you invite to church, that's who you should invite to church, whatever's on your sheet, whoever's on your sheet. And don't just, say, don't just think that the idea, think names. I can invite this person, this person's name. Now, if they're part of, part of another church, please leave them at the other church. We want them to be, we don't want to steal people from other churches. But people who aren't in, aren't in church or, or are Christians and they haven't been in church in a while, or people who are far from God, they're the people. They're the people we are want to invite. That's the first one, the who. Now let's now talk about how. 
So when I talk about how should I invite, I want you to think specifically about these, these people on your bit of paper. Because if we get this, and if everyone started to invite that 15 number, 16 number, we're in all sorts of trouble around capacity because we're not going to fit everybody in, yeah? But what a wonderful problem that would be. You know, if everyone invited one person, one, just one, imagine the difference that would make. Multiple services. I'd be pretty tired. That's okay. What a privilege to be able to share the message of Jesus. Remember when we invite? You invite them into to an environment where they hear the message of Jesus. The most, the most important message that anyone could ever hear is that Jesus died and that he rose and that it's in Jesus that there's forgiveness of sin, there's eternal life. If you invite them, you will give them the opportunity to hear that. So the second thing is how should I invite them? And I've come up with six things that I came up with, six things about how. Number one is have a positive attitude. When you invite, have a positive attitude. In Mark chapter 1, we have the story where, where Jesus invites Peter, Simon Peter, and Andrew to come and follow him. This is what we read. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew cast... Yeah, yeah. Awesome. If they're coming to you, that's awesome. I don't invite them, they invite me. <laughs> Tony said, I don't invite them, they invite me. Okay. Good. Well, they can give you. Yeah, that, that's good. You, you get invited. I don't, I don't need that. Okay. Well, maybe. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm about to teach you that, Tony. So maybe you can see today as a challenge. Maybe you haven't been inviting because people invite you. Maybe today is about saying, well, maybe I need to think about it a bit differently. Maybe. And so I'm going to tell you what you should say in the next six things. Is that all right? Okay, go. Yep. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah. 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 I'm going to smack you, Tony. <laughs> no, it's fine. If we can't make people do anything, we cannot make people do anything. Everyone, this is that was that was a joke, right? Everyone, stay with me. A joke. Um, we can't make people do anything. We can simply ask them and invite them, and then what they do with that's on them. Our job is to invite. Our job is to share the message. What they do with it is up to them. We can't make anyone do anything. Good. I'm going to keep going. You can tell me. Thanks for interrupting. That was helpful. First thing, have a positive attitude. Mark 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, and his, Simon, that's Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Jesus said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, or, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. I don't think Jesus walked up to Peter or Simon Peter and Andrew and was sheepish and was like saying, oh, if you guys aren't busy today or if you've got nothing else better to do, would you consider following me? He would have like, no, Peter, Andrew, I want you to come and follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. 
He would have been positive about it. He would have been confident that they would have thought about his question and then confident that they were going to say yes. And I think we shoot ourselves in the foot because we can often make excuses for people before they even speak. We could say, I know you're really, really busy and life's really hard for you, but I'm, I'm, I'm running this thing called Alpha. I'd really like you to be part of it. Rather than, hey, we're doing this incredible thing called Alpha. It's impacted my life. It's going to be great for you. We can say, um, we can make excuses. I wrote some things down. Um, where is it? Here. We can say, oh, I uh, go to this church. It's all right. I mean, the uh, pastor, he's sort of okay. He, he's, he's pretty handsome, but he's preaching not that good. <laughs> would, you, would you consider coming? I mean, no. It's, no. Be positive. Hey, I'm part of this great church. And say it anyway, even if you don't believe it. I'm part of this great church called LifeGate. And, 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 it, and it really helps me in my journey. It's a real blessing for me. I'd, I'd love you to come and be part of it. Be positive. Tell them it's going to be great. Be positive. Expect them to say yes. Here's the second one. Tell them your experience. This is my experience of Alpha. This is my experience of life group. This is my experience of church. And if God can do it for me, he can also do it for you. In John chapter 4, Jesus has this incredible encounter. And if you're part of the life group, there is a life group meeting straight after church. You can look at this passage in detail from John chapter 4. It says, where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. She's come out in the middle of the day because she's ex- like kicked out of her community. She goes in the middle of the day to collect water on her own. And Jesus speaks to her. And Jesus says, I know here you are, you've had five husbands. And this woman is totally blown away by Jesus and who he is. And when Jesus says that he's the Messiah, she runs back to the village and says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. This woman was so impacted by Jesus, she went to her town and said, hey town, I've just, in, I've just encountered this, this guy named Jesus. Could he be the one? I'm inviting you to come with me and check him out. She shared her experience and then invited. And friends, you have an experience of what God's done in your life. The times when you've been in worship and God spoke to you. The times when the preacher spoke and something that was said was God's word to you. The time where you've been prayed for and there's been a breakthrough. You have a, a journey. You have an experience of what God has done through life groups, through Alpha, through our Easter extravaganza, through Sunday services. Tell them your experience. This is what God's done in me and he can do it in you. Tell them your experience. Number three, connect with something in their world. Back to this passage in Mark chapter 1. This idea when, when Jesus calls Simon and his brother Andrew, the fisherman, Jesus says, come to me and I will make you fishers of men or I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus connected with Peter, the fisherman. The, he, he connected the fisherman piece. You, you were fishing for fish, but now I'm going to fish for men. He made a connection between his life and the, our new life. And my encouragement to you is connect with something in their world. Connect with some. Something that they're experiencing, something that they're going through, something that they're passionate about. I'm talking about the people on your list, in your spheres. Connect with something and show them how the church is going to meet that need. If they're passionate about music, say, hey, we've got this worship team at church. We do music every Sunday. It's great music. Love you to check it out. If it's someone who loves to share their opinion all the time, invite them to Alpha. That's a time for everyone to share their opinion. If they're um, asking questions about faith. Well, life group, hey, come to life group and you can ask your questions about faith. 
Wherever, whatever's their thing, tell them that what we're doing is going to connect with them. If they're in a place where they're just finished university or just finished school and they're thinking, what's next in life? Hey, you're thinking about what's next. Why don't you consider what God says about what's next? Come along too. Connect with something in their world. Is this okay? Three, number four. Talk about the difference it will make in their lives. This is the big one. Talk about the difference this will make in their lives. Jesus says the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life in its fullness or life in abundance. Friends, the walk with Jesus is life in abundance. And if you've walked with Jesus for some time, you will know that abundant abundant life. And that doesn't mean everything's good and perfect all the time. We go through ups and downs of life. We live in a sinful world. But it's like what Sam said when, when, when he talked about our giving. It's about the trusting. And it's about putting our faith in God. That rock solid faith we hold tight to him through the ups and downs of life, knowing that we have purpose that our future is secure, know that he's for us and moving in our lives, holding faith tight. That is life in abundance. Tell them the difference it will make in their life. Tell them that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives and they'll hear about that at Life Group. They'll hear about that at Alpha. They'll hear about that on Sundays. Tell them that, you, that, that, that they will find out what God thinks about them. You will find out what the Bible says and what it's about. You'll find out about who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, who God is. By coming and hearing about the stuff we talk about, it will make this world make sense. It will make a huge difference in your life. Think about the people on, on, on your list the names that are written down. Think about what you can say to them, the questions they're asking, and the difference it can make in their life. Number five, tell them what it's going to be like. When our Jesus walked the earth, he told us what it was going to be like to live in his kingdom now, but also in his kingdom to come. And in John 14 too, Jesus says, in my father's house is many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare. Uh, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? That's a question mark there. Jesus spoke about what heaven is going to be like. And when we invite people, tell them what it's going to be like. Hey, come to our Sundays. It's 80 minutes long. We have about 20 minutes of music. There's a a full-on kids program as of next week, downstairs from 9 o'clock, hour and a half kids program specifically for them. There's some announcements. We talk about what we're doing. And then someone brings a message. And it's a message that's, that's down to earth. They don't use these big religious words, hopefully. You will understand it. You, you may not agree with it, and that's okay. You know, when you invite someone to church, we shouldn't expect them to agree with everything that's said. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. They don't have to agree with it. Is, is that okay to say? It is. That's okay. They can come and they can work it out. And, and over time, they will start to learn and God will change their heart and they'll pick it up as, as God does his work in their life. Tell them what it's going to be like. We have morning tea at the end in life group. We are meet for two hours, we um, read Bible, we pray, we ask questions, we talk about life, we support each other. Alpha, we eat a meal together, we watch a short film, then we discuss what it's about. You don't have to believe it, it opens up discussion. Tell them what it's going to be like. And number six is pray. In the Bible, Jesus says clearly, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. Tony, this is what you talked about. We can invite, but we can't make them do anything. It's only as God does his thing in their life by his spirit that he draws people to himself. 
that's when things change. And we need to pray that God will be moving in people's hearts, in the people on your sheet. God, you pray for them. God, move in their heart so that when I invite them, they will say, they will say yes. So out of these six, have a positive attitude. Tell them your experience. Connect with something in their world. Talk about the difference it will make in their lives. Tell them what it's going to be like. Pray. Out of the six, which one for you is the one you go, you know what? I need to do that one better. I notice some people are taking photos. That's encouraging. Which one for you? Which one for you? First one for you? Can we do fingers? I like fingers. If you have to choose one, it's six, five, four, three, two, one. Number six for Nikki, pray. Two for Saskia, five for Joel. Two, one, five, four, three, one, one, six, six, five, one. Hey, Charles. Two, three, four, three, three. What's three? Connect with, some, connect with something in their world, yeah. Anyone else? Fingers over here. One, two, three, three, one. Is that one and one or is that two? That's two. You're confusing. <laughs> Three and one. Good. Imagine if, imagine if you took this bit of paper and you got serious about the who. And you kept it in your Bible maybe or you kept it on your bedside cabinet and, 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 and as you went to, to bed at night time or as you woke up in the morning, you picked this bit of paper up and went, God, I pray for this person and I pray for this person and I pray for this person that you would open their hearts. And then when I invite them, they will come. Imagine what would happen to this church if we have all these, all these new people around. Oh, would that be so much fun? We have to run Alpha all the time. And we'll get so like, not that we have issues, like this church is really unified. It's a real awesome church, it really is. But lots of churches get so stuck in what they're doing and have arguments and stuff. But when there's new people around, all that stuff disappears because you're so focused on helping this person get to know Jesus. And, and like I had just recently, um, I had a Facebook message from a, a student I taught from, when, I, when I taught at Horrid High School. And when I was a teacher, I shared my... Have I shared this story at church? I have shared it. I'll share it again anyway. That um, I shared my faith as a teacher heaps. And I haven't taught for 10 years. And one of the students, her name is Danielle, she... Um, contacted me on Facebook Messenger, and she writes, Mr. Green, can I ask you a question, Mr. Green? Um, she, well, she'll be like 28 now. Um, can I ask you a question? That's fine, Danielle, what's the question? She goes, I became a Christian, I, I became a Christian on Sunday, and I want to start reading the Bible. Where should I start reading it? And I was like, wow. And, and I wrote a Facebook post about the long game, if you saw it, that because of me preaching Jesus for all, 10 years, 10 years ago, it made a big difference. You know, when we get new people around, it just changes everything. And it is so beautiful. So beautiful. <laughs> I don't know about that, Scotty. But I definitely spoke a lot about Jesus at school. And obviously had a lasting impact. One last thing to say as I finish. When I was invited by that youth leader at the age of 17 to that conference in Katoomba, that conference... God used it to radically transform my life. What would have happened? What if you didn't invite me? And I didn't experience that. Where would I be today? 
Now, we don't know the answer to that. God could do something else, but I don't know. We don't know. But the power of the invitation radically transformed my life. And it can radically transform the people in your world, the people that you love, the people that you care about. Let's be a church that has a culture of invite, where invite is normal, normal for us. Amen? I mean, let's stand, let's pray, let's close. Can I ask you to hold your sheet of paper? Hold your sheet of paper. Hold them up to the Lord and say, we'll have to hold them up. Hold them in a way that the Lord... I just want you to pray over these sheets of paper. Father, we've written a lot of names down today. If everyone wrote 12 names, there's hundreds, there's a thousand names written down. There's a thousand names, there's a thousand people, God, written down today. And God, we know that you love each one of them and that you died for each one of them. And you want every single one of them, it's your will that everyone comes to repentance and to a knowledge of of you and and your son. So Father, we commit these names to you now. Where you're at, just read through the names, church. Now, leave the lights on, please, Josh. Read through the names. Making me pray to God. Commit them to God. Read through the names. Pray that God would lead them to himself. each person, unique, important to God. Father, I pray that you would give us a heart like your heart and that we would love these people like you love them. That we would have compassion for these people like you have compassion and that we would see them as you see them. And as we have compassion and love, that that would motivate us, God, to share the message of Jesus with them, whether, whether that's in a coffee shop, in our home, or by inviting them to, to, to a LifeGate service or a life group or an Alpha group. God, that you, that, that, that you would move our hearts to love these people enough to invite them. We commit these people to you, Lord. And we pray for this culture of invite, Lord, that it will be something that's normal and natural for each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for being part of the service today. We're, it's, we're over time. I'm not going to finish with the song. Hopefully that was encouraging and helpful for you. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come.